0: Welcome, listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book, movie, compare, and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, my co-host is Katie, and don't call it a comeback,
1: we've been here
0: for years.
1: Oh my god. Are you serious right now with that? But it's funny, because Voldemort just came back. Don't call it a comeback.
0: <laughs> Never call it a comeback. We've been here for years, though. Literally. We just had our <laughs> two-year
1: anniversary. We did. We did indeed. That's pretty cool. hmm But let's just keep rolling into The Rolling Rehash. Last week we covered chapter 32 and the corresponding film scenes. No matter what he does, Cedric just can't land on his feet. Harry can't tell if the graveyard is really a bad detour or the beginning of the boss level. Muppet wins the cutest, ugliest baby contest. That rat bastard can't help but roll his eyes when the boy who lived cries over a little paper cut while he's hanging out with his bloody stump. And, Voldy needs to lay off the Visine if he wants to instill fear into the wizarding world. Or, at the very least, win a staring contest with his mortal enemy. During episode 107, adorable,
0: our Potter pondering was, what were your thoughts the very first time you saw a fully-returned Voldemort in the movie? Also, Any ideas on why Harry was relieved that Cedric suggested getting their wands back out so he didn't have to?
2: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. I'll start off with why Harry was relieved that Cedric was the one who suggested to put their wands out. I have no idea. Maybe when y'all get to the part where you read uh, the British version we'll figure it out. Maybe it was just some fucked up wording. We'll never know. Or maybe Harry had a premonition that he was actually going to be the defense against the dark arts teacher next year. And he ain't feel like playing those games. Let you do it for a second, Cedric, right before you die. Sorry, dark jokes. But Voldemort, first time I seen them, I didn't have time to get mad about his red eyes until after the movie was over. Because when I saw it, I was just ecstatic. He did a wonderful, wonderful job. Just no nose was good enough for me. And I know we're not really talking about his acting. We're talking about how he looked when we first saw him. I wasn't worried about the damn eyes, okay? Because he did the damn thing. I I hated him. I was mad at him. I didn't like him. He tried to kill my boy, and he almost did. And he did kill the other one. Like, just marked him. I like it. It was wonderful. He does a wonderful, wonderful job at playing Stinky Voldy. Period.
3: Hey guys, Mike Conan, the Potter Pondering. So for the reason that Harry was pleased that Cedric asked all their up before him, I don't find that one that confusing. Like to me it always was just that he was super scared but he didn't want to show it and by having Cedric just because at once, first he wasn't demonstrating his fear by being like, oh, should we ever want out like shit in a scary situation that we should, you know, be protecting ourselves from? Because there was no obvious threat right away, right? But it was just creepy as fuck, and he didn't want to reveal that he was getting freaked out by it, right? So yeah, I didn't find that one that crazy. As for my initial impression of Voldemort, I can't even say I checked out his arms as much as you guys did, I definitely agree about the eyes. That was super disappointing. The robes, I also found disappointing. Like, how they did pretty much all the magic in these movies, I kind of found stupid. The Patronus was great. Everything else was a bit meh. Like, if you guys ever played the Harry Potter computer game where you had to, like, trace the spell to create the spell, and then you could also play glitches, whatever? Not the point. Anyway, the magic that they do in that, I found a whole lot... more true to the books than the movies was, and that's my main issue with all the movies is that they just weren't as true to the books as I thought they could have been. So, there's that, but also, like, I found Voldemort as played by Ray Five, like, he really embraced, like, when he's dancing around with his, his really super pale arms out and his robes fall right down to his shoulders. It really, really reminds me of that really gross picture that Quincy shared of Voldemort, like, with the really big one, like, just looking like, he his wand seductively. To me, that's totally in character for Great finds Voldemort, if a little bit too much, obviously. I just thought it was weird how much he kind of embraced that nudity, I guess. I know, mean, obviously, he wasn't nudity, but, like, he showed a whole lot more skin than I ever thought. He would from my reading of the book, you know? Like, I figured he'd just kind of like wear clothes like a normal person. But, uh, anyway, that's
4: it for me. like I've done it so long already. So, yeah. Bye. Hello there. I'm calling in to leave a message for my two favorite podcast hosts. So I'm calling to respond to the Potter pondering of what I thought when Voldemort appeared for the first time. And literally, I don't remember how old I was. Middle school me was like, ew, what is wrong with his toenails? Ew, what is wrong with his fingernails? Disgusting. His feet are disgusting. Like you've been dead for however long. Why have you not washed your feet? Yeah. Cut your toenails, dude. Also, the other ponderer pondering was why I thought that Harry was relieved that Cedric suggested taking out their wands. I think that he thought he was relieved because I feel like he kind of thought that if he took it out, you know, without warning, just because he felt unsafe, that would be maybe a red flag to Cedric thinking maybe Harry was going to attack him. That was kind of how I always read that part of the book that he was relieved because he didn't want Cedric to think that him pulling out his wand was like an attack move. So yeah, that's all I have for this week's Potter Ponderings. Can't wait to hear everybody else's.
5: G'day, g'day, Jackson here. So my Potter Pondering for this week, the first time I saw the fully formed Voldemort in Goblet of Fire, except for the small things that were different from the book and yeah, knew I was an idiot for that. I think this was one of the parts that Goblet of Fire really did a good job. You know, Voldemort was how I pictured him. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, there were the differences. But for the most part, yeah, they did it pretty well, I thought. And as for why Harry was relieved that Cedric was the one who recommended getting the ones out, I think that's just... Fear and confusion, you know? Both those things make you do and say and think things that you wouldn't normally, I guess. You know, fear and confusion are powerful things. And, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Catch you guys later.
0: Thank you so much for calling in your responses and for posting them on Facebook, too. Our trivia question last week was, in the book... Which Death Eater throws himself at Voldemort's feet and begs for his forgiveness?
1: When Voldemort confesses himself disappointed, it is Avery who throws himself at his feet and begs him to forgive him. Forgive all of them. We know this because Voldemort laughs at him, casts Crucio on him, and then stops and says, Get up, Avery.
0: Congratulations goes to... Jackson Miller! Woohoo! He and Mike are taking turns right now. I don't think Mike wants to let him build a streak back up, so
1: maybe he's going to swoop back in next week. Maybe Jackson will be able to get his streak. Who knows? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 33, The Death Eaters and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter
0: 33, The Death Eaters. Voldemort looks away from Harry and examines his own pale, spider-like hands caressing his chest, arms, and face. His red eyes have slits for pupils and gleam in the darkness as he examines his newly reformed body. He completely ignores the twitching, bleeding Wormtail on the ground and doesn't even notice his great snake as he reaches into the pockets of his robes and pulls out a wand. He caresses the wand as well, then points it at Wormtail to lift him off the ground and slam him into the headstone that Harry is tied to. As Wormtail crumples to the ground and sobs, Voldemort laughs a high, cold, mirthless laugh. With the stump of his arm wrapped in his robes, Wormtail pleads with his lord, reminding him that he promised. Voldemort tells him to hold out his arm, and Wormtail is briefly relieved, until Voldemort laughs again and says, his other arm. Wormtail begs as Voldemort bends down and pulls out his sniveling servant's left arm revealing a vivid red tattoo that Harry recognizes as the same skull and snake image that appeared in the sky at the Quidditch World Cup, the dark mark. Ignoring Wormtail's sobbing, Voldemort softly announces that it's back and knows that the others will have noticed it, saying now they will see. He presses a white finger to the brand and Harry immediately feels pain in his scar again as Wormtail also howls and the mark changes in color to a jet black. Voldemort looks cruelly satisfied as he straightens up and wonders how many will be brave enough to return and how many will be foolish enough to stay away. He paces for a couple of minutes, then looks down at Harry, smiling cruelly and informing him that he is standing on the remains of his late muggle father, calling him a fool, much like Harry's dear mother. They both had their uses, as Harry's mother died to defend him and Voldemort killed his father, who has been very useful in death. He laughs again and resumes his pacing before pointing out the house on the hillside and explaining that his father lived there and his witch mother lived in the village and fell in love with him. He tells Harry that his father abandoned her when she told him what she was because his father didn't like magic. He abandoned him, then his mother died giving birth to him, and he was left to be raised in a muggle orphanage. But he vowed to find the fool who gave him his name, Tom Riddle. He then pauses and says that he is growing quite sentimental, reliving his family history. But now, his true family returns. The air fills with the swishing of cloaks, and in every shadowy space of the graveyard, hooded and masked wizards are apparating and moving towards Voldemort with caution. One drops to their knees, crawls towards the dark wizard, and kisses the hem of his robes, murmuring Master. The rest of the Death Eaters follow suit and then stand and form a silent circle, enclosing Tom Riddle's grave, Harry, the sobbing Wormtail, and Voldemort. They leave gaps in the circle, but Voldemort does not seem to expect more. He looks around and welcomes his Death Eaters, saying it has been thirteen years since they last met, but they are all still united under the dark mark. But then, questions if they truly are. Voldemort says that he smells guilt in the air. He sees them all whole and healthy with their powers intact and in their prompt appearances, but none of them tried to come to his aid, despite having sworn eternal loyalty. No one makes a sound or moves except Wormtail, who's still sobbing on the ground. And Voldemort answers himself, saying that they must have believed him broken and thought he was gone. They slipped back among his enemies and pleaded innocence, ignorance, and bewitchment. But how could they have believed he wouldn't rise again, when they knew he took steps long ago to guard himself against mortal death? He answers himself again, saying they perhaps believed a greater power existed, one that could even vanquish Lord Voldemort, such as Albus Dumbledore. This causes some of the Death Eaters to mutter and shake their heads, but Voldemort ignores them and confesses himself disappointed. At this, one man flings himself forward at Voldemort's feet and begins pleading for forgiveness. Voldemort lifts his wand and casts Crucio, causing the Death Eater to writhe and shriek on the ground. Harry hopes the sound carries to one of the nearby houses and that the police might come, but Voldemort stops the curse and tells Avery to get up. He says that he does not forgive or forget. He wants 13 years of repayment before he forgives and acknowledges that Wormtail has already paid some of his debt. Wormtail continues to sob on the ground as Voldemort tells him that he returned out of fear of his old friends, not loyalty, and says that he deserves his pain. But he did help him return to his body, so he does deserve a reward. He raises his wand again and whirls it through the air, causing a streak of molten silver to shine in its wake. It writhes and forms itself into a replica of a human hand, and then soars down and fixes itself to Wormtail's wrist. He immediately stops sobbing and stares at his new hand in disbelief, flexing the shining fingers and then retrieving a twig from the ground and crushing it into powder. He thanks his lord and takes his place in the circle. Voldemort turns his attention to the man on Wormtail's right and addresses him as Lucius, saying he had been told that he hasn't renounced the old ways, despite presenting a respectable face to the world. He asks if he's ready to take the lead spot in muggle torture, but also wonders why he never tried to find him, instead wasting his energy on the exploits at the Quidditch World Cup. Lucius Malfoy insists that he was constantly on the alert, and if there had been any sign or whisper, he would have been at his sight immediately. Voldemort cuts him off to point out that he ran from the dark mark when a faithful Death Eater sent it into the sky last summer. Mr. Malfoy stops talking, and Voldemort tells him that he knows all about it and is disappointed in him. He says that he expects more faithful service in the future, and Malfoy insists that he will. Voldemort moves towards a space in the circle big enough for two people, saying the Lestranges should stand there, but they are in Azkaban, where they went rather than renouncing him. They will break open the prison and the Lestranges will be honored for their loyalty. The Dementors will also join them and they will recall the banished giants, bringing back all of his devoted servants and an army of fearful creatures. He continues on, passing some Death Eaters in silence, but stopping to talk to McNair, Crabbe, Goyle, and Nott, expecting better from all of them. When he reaches the largest gap in the circle, he says there are six missing Death Eaters, three dead in his service, one too cowardly to return, one he believes has left him forever, and one who remains his most faithful servant, already in place at Hogwarts. Voldemort tells them that it was this man who ensured Harry's arrival there tonight, and everyone glances in Harry's direction. Voldemort says that Harry Potter has joined them for his rebirthing party and could even be called the Guest of Honor. After a moment of silence, Lucius speaks up, wanting to know how Voldemort managed to return. Voldemort explains that it is a story that begins and ends with Harry Potter. The boy has been called his downfall, but the night he tried to kill him and lost his powers and body, Harry's mother died in an attempt to save him, providing him with the protection that Voldemort had not foreseen. He couldn't touch the boy. It was old magic that he shouldn't have overlooked, but it doesn't matter anymore because he can touch him now. Harry feels Voldemort press the tip of his finger into his scar and thinks his head will burst with the pain. Voldemort gives a soft laugh, removes his finger, and continues telling the Death Eaters how his curse rebounded on himself, ripping him from his body, leaving him less than a spirit but still alive because of his goal to conquer death and experiments down the path to immortality. He had to force himself to exist second by second and settled far away in a forest waiting in vain for one of his faithful death eaters to find him. His only power that remained was his ability to possess others' bodies and he would sometimes inhabit animals, though none of them lasted long. Then, about four years ago, A young, foolish wizard wandered across his path in the forest and provided him the very chance he had been dreaming of. The man was a teacher at Hogwarts and easy to bend to his will. He returned to the countryside with him and eventually took possession of him as they attempted to steal the sorcerer's stone, but his plan was once again thwarted by Harry Potter. That servant died when he left his body, and Voldemort was once again weak and had to return to his hiding place, leaving him in his darkest hour with no hope that his Death Eaters cared to find him. They shift uncomfortably at this point, and Voldemort continues his story, explaining that not even a year ago, Wormtail returned to him. He had faked his death to escape justice, but was driven out of hiding by his old friends and needed to run. He decided to return to his master and headed to the country where he had been rumored to be hiding, helped by the rats he met along the way, who told him of a place deep in the Albanian forest where small animals met their deaths. But his journey was nearly ruined when he stopped at an inn for food and ran into Bertha Jorkins. Wormtail managed to convince the witch to accompany him on a nighttime stroll, where he overpowered her and brought her to Voldemort. She ended up providing him with all the information about the Wizard Tournament and of a faithful Death Eater who would be more than willing to help him. The information that he received from her was helpful, but the means he used to break the memory charm on her damaged her beyond repair and he couldn't possess her. He also couldn't possess Wormtail, who was supposed to be dead, but he was able-bodied enough to follow instructions and care for him, helping him create a weak body of his own while gathering the ingredients for his true rebirth. He decided to return to his old body before chasing after immortality again, using a dark potion of three powerful ingredients. One was at hand, from Wormtail, flesh given by a servant. The second ingredient was his father's bone, so they had to go to where he was buried. The third and final ingredient was the blood of a foe, and Wormtail wanted Voldemort to just use any wizard who hated him, but Voldemort insisted on rising more powerful than he had been when he had fallen, so he wanted the blood of Harry Potter. That way, the lingering protection from Harry's mother would also reside in his veins, too. The biggest challenge was getting to Harry Potter, who is better protected than even he knows. Dumbledore invoked an ancient magic to protect him as long as he's in his relation's care, and no one can touch him there. After that, he goes to Hogwarts, where he is directly under Dumbledore's care. But... Using Bertha Jorkin's information and his one faithful Death Eater stationed at Hogwarts, Voldemort was able to make sure Harry's name was put into the Goblet of Fire, chosen, and was the first to touch the Triwizard Cup that his faithful Death Eater had turned into a portkey to bring him to the graveyard, beyond Dumbledore's protection. Voldemort turns towards Harry and draws his wand, calling Crucio, and putting Harry in pain beyond anything that he had ever experienced, making him want to black out, to die. The pain recedes and Harry is hanging limply in his binding ropes as the Death Eaters all laugh. Voldemort says that it was foolish for anyone to suppose the boy could have ever been stronger than him, but he wants to be sure there is no mistaking it. Harry Potter escaped by lucky chance, and he's going to prove it by killing him in front of all of them, with no Dumbledore to help him, no mother to die for him just him and Harry fighting, and no doubt as to who is stronger. He tells Nagini to wait just a little longer, and then orders Wormtail to untie Harry and give him back his wand.
1: The movie section starts with Voldemort requesting his wand from Wormtail, who pulls it out of his robes and holds it up before bowing and passing it over to him. With a pale, long-nailed hand, Voldemort accepts his wand and breathes in excitedly and asks Wormtail to hold out his arm. The sniveling servant holds up what is left of his right arm, thanking his master, who sneers and tells him he means the other arm. Wormtail hesitates, looking disappointed, and Voldemort grabs his left arm, twisting it over to show a very pale, reddish dark mark on his forearm. He touches it with the tip of his wand and it turns black as the sky rumbles. Voldemort looks up and Harry also watches as streams of smoke emerge from the sky and land in the graveyard. The black smoke furls away revealing black cloaked and hooded figures wearing skull masks. Voldemort greets them all as friends, telling them it has been 13 years, but they stand before him as if it was only yesterday. He says that he confesses himself disappointed because not one of them tried to find him. The camera focuses on the hooded figures as Voldemort calls them out by name and magically removes their masks into wisps of more black smoke. He quickly names crab, McNair, and Goyle, before slowly walking up to another cloaked figure and saying, Not even you, Lucius. As Voldemort removes his mask, Lucius Malfoy drops to his knees and insists that he would have tried to find his lord if he had detected any sign or whisper of his whereabouts. Voldemort cuts him off to admonish him, calling him a slippery friend and telling him that there were signs and more than whispers. Harry struggles behind the statue's scythe as Lucius continues defending himself, saying he never renounced the old ways. He removes his hood, revealing his face as he stands and asserts that the face he has been obliged to present every day is his true mask. Wormtail takes this opportunity to step forward and announce that he returned. When Voldemort turns his attention towards him, he cowers away from him, shuddering as Voldemort hisses that he only returned out of fear— not loyalty. Harry watches as Voldemort continues speaking, stroking Wormtail's head and acknowledging that he did prove himself useful the past few months. He waves his wand and makes a silver hand appear in place of the one Wormtail sacrificed. Wormtail holds it up in the air as it solidifies and thanks his master. Harry keeps struggling as Voldemort moves on to inspect Cedric's body, tisking as he uses his foot to turn the boy's lifeless head to the side. Harry yells for Voldemort not to touch him, finally drawing the dark wizard's attention to him. Voldemort's head snaps up as he looks at the trapped Harry and greets him by name, saying he'd almost forgotten he was there. He says he'd introduce him, but word has it he's almost as famous as him these days. Voldemort turns back to his Death Eaters, calling him the boy who lived. Before turning back to Harry and telling him that lies have fed his legend, and asking if he should reveal what really happened that night 13 years ago, how he truly lost his powers. Without waiting for any kind of response, he simply states that it was love, that when Lily Potter gave her life for her only son, she provided an ultimate protection that meant he couldn't touch the boy. He calls it old magic, something he should have foreseen, but it doesn't matter anymore as things have changed. He glides right up to Harry and pauses in front of him with his hand raised above his head. He says he can touch him now and dramatically presses his finger into Harry's scar. Harry screams in pain as Voldemort holds his finger in place and gleefully laughs screams before finally removing it. He comments on how it is astonishing what a few drops of Harry's blood will do and then releases him from the statue's grip. Harry falls to the ground as Voldemort orders him to pick up his wand. The book and movie sections are kind of similar, but there are quite a few
0: differences, omissions, changes. Also, for being similar, they really don't line up well at all. Par for the course? This was rough. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's saying something. This whole book was rough.
0: (laughs) So the way the book starts off, Is with a description of Voldemort.
1: Mm
4: -hmm.
0: He's got his white spider-like hands and he basically feels himself up in his excitement for getting his body back. (laughs) He just like touches everything. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's still there.
1: (laughs) Kind of like the doctor when he regenerates. Right. Like, okay, two legs, two arms. (laughs) Still not a redhead. (laughs) Or red-eyed. Damn it.
0: Because they are not. They are not red and slitty. Oh, wait, no, that's the movie. In the book, his eyes are red and slitty. They are. He completely ignores the twitching, bleeding worm tail on the ground. And
1: also, he doesn't even notice Nagini's hanging around. How do you not notice a giant snake? I think he's so busy (laughs) feeling himself up. Well, yeah, I can kind of see
0: that, I guess, but... But then he reaches into the pockets of his robes and pulls out a wand.
1: It'd be awesome if he, like, pulled out five bucks and was like, sweet, I totally forgot these were in here. Right. <laughs> five galleons, you mean? Well, yes.
0: But no, it was a wand. And he feels that up as well, just caressing his wand.
1: Okay, this is getting gross again.
0: <laughs> and then he points it at Wormtail, who apparently he did notice twitching mm-hmm. and bleeding on the ground. But the dick points it at Wormtail, lifts him off the ground, and slams him into the headstone that Harry has died to. So welcome back.
1: Yeah. In the movie, Voldemort demands his wand, although I struggle to understand how he still has the damn thing, considering he was like non corporeal for so long and then a muppet for however long. Like, how the hell did he hold onto that wand forever?
0: Wasn't there a theory that Wormtail went
1: and fetched it
0: from the ruins? I
1: don't, that seems. I don't know, man. I guess maybe. But anyway, however, it was kept track of. Wormy pulls it out of his robes and holds it before him, bowing in presentation, as Voldemort takes it from him with a pale, long-nailed hand. And he takes a giddy little breath in and tells Wormtail to hold out his arm. So there's our first big difference
0: here is in the book, Voldemort just had it. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Wormtail presents it to him. Yeah. And then Voldemort in the movie also doesn't just act like a huge dick to Wormtail,
1: I mean, he does, but not as bad. He doesn't just, like, step over him. I would go with dick, not huge dick. Yeah, sure.
0: Because in the book, he slammed him into the headstone. Y- true, okay. For no reason. And he's already missing a hand and <laughs> sobbing on the ground like a little bitch. And just add insult to injury, basically. Literally. And we're adding injury to injury at this point. Yeah. And Wormtail just crumbles to the ground, still sobbing
1: like a bitch. See if I give you another arm again. Right? Voldemort laughs at him. Sure. Because dick. Like you do. And
0: Wormtail's just pleading with him. What else can you do? Please don't stop. Don't. No. Stop. (laughs) But he does remind him that he promised. Please. Please. You promised. Yeah. And similarly to the movie, Voldemort tells Wormtail to hold out his arm. Mm Mm-hmm. So Wormtail's like, oh, thank God, you're going to fix my bloody stump. (laughs) Until Voldemort's just like, no, the other arm. So Wormtail continues to beg and Voldemort's just like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And he bends over and grabs Wormtail's left arm, pulling up the sleeve and revealing a vivid red tattoo that Harry sees and is like,
1: that's the fucking dark mark. That's Mm -hmm. what we saw in the sky at the Quidditch World Cup. I've seen that before, I do believe. It's actually fairly similar in the movie. Wormtail, thinking his moment has finally come, holds his bloody stump at the end of his right arm, and thanks his master. Voldemort damn near laughs at him. Like, straight up, he's just like, no. The other arm. This makes Wormtail sad, but like the bitch that he is, he complies and Voldemort grabs his left arm, twisting it until he can see the pale dark mark. Which
0: is another slight difference, because it's vivid red in the book. Mm-hmm. And this almost looks like a scar. Yeah. it's A skark mark. <laughs> that was bad. It was. Just keep going. That was so bad. Just keep rolling.
1: Anyway, he puts his wand against it, and it turns back into a literal dark mark as the sky darkens and a distant rumbling is heard, which as we all know, is an incredibly good sign and can only bring good things with it. Only. I mean, it's never been a bad thing before. Nothing bad is about to happen here. Nope, not at all. Harry and Voldemort watch as the party arrives. One by one, each guest just rides a stream of smoke into the graveyard. And as the smoke dissipates, we see the same dark hooded figures that march through the campgrounds at the Quidditch World Cup. So we have some familiar faces. Well, at this figures point. at least yeah. don't see their faces.
0: <laughs> familiar masks. Yes. <laughs> and I do just want to point out that in the movie, Voldemort uses his wand to touch the dark mark in the book. It was his finger. Mm-hmm. So, slight difference. In the book, Wormtail is still being a much bigger bitch than movie Wormtail, But Voldemort just ignores his sobbing. I mean, he's been doing it nonstop, so what else can you do?
1: Right. Eventually, you just gotta let him cry it out.
0: He announces that it's back, and he knows that the others will have noticed it as well, and says, now, we will see. Instead of using his wand like they showed in the movie, he presses a white finger to the dark mark, the red mark. And at this point, Harry immediately feels pain in his scar as well. And the dark mark changes to a jet black. So slightly different with the finger as opposed to the wand and that it started off red instead of faded pinkish. Mm-hmm. But they both turn to black at Voldemort's touch of some sort. Yes. They turn into a
1: literal dark mark. A literal dark mark.
0: <laughs> Voldemort's pretty pleased with himself after this. And he stands back up and wonders how many will be brave enough to return and how many will be foolish enough to stay away. I like that phrasing there. Mm -hmm. But then, unlike in the movie, the Death Eaters do not immediately show up. And Voldy's given this nice long moment to reminisce. Get a little sentimental in there. But he catches us up on some history we don't specifically know, and refreshes our memory on some things that we've already learned.
1: Which, uh, I mean, I can understand why they decided to leave the recap out
0: yeah it would have been really nice to get some of the backstory here because that was completely lacking in the film
1: yeah oh there wasn't even a bit of it in there
0: right so some of it would have been nice but some of it i can understand and we'll talk about it as we go over it
1: yeah Voldemort
0: paces back and forth and then looks down at Harry and just gives him that horrible not happy smile that he gives doesn't reach his eyes very cruel And just decides to this point, hey, guess what? You're standing on my dead dad's grave. There's clearly no love lost there.
3: Because he just
0: calls him a muggle and a fool. Much like Harry's dear mother.
1: Oh, well, them's fighting words, guy. Yeah. Don't say shit about someone's mom. He
0: goes on to say they both had their uses since Harry's mother died to defend him. And Voldemort killed his father, who became very useful in
1: death. I mean, at least he was good for something.
0: Something. Yeah, I got nothing. Voldemort gives that cold laugh again and then continues pacing before continuing on with his story, pointing out the house on the hillside and saying that his father lived there. His witch mother. So he had the muggle father and the witch mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I believe is information we already knew.
1: Yep. Like Seamus. Mm-hmm. His dad's a muggle. Mom's
0: a witch. Exactly.
1: And it was a bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out.
0: There are quite a few more shocks about that, I think. There are. But his witch mother lived in the village and fell in love with him. And it's really interesting to me just how wrong Voldemort actually has the story of how his (laughs) parents got together.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. When you find out the truth much later on, you're just like, Oh. Like, you didn't have any idea what happened with your parents.
0: Oh, son, you had it all wrong. (laughs) Like, he just made a whole bunch of assumptions to fuel his anger and hatred of muggles and, Mm -hmm. I mean, ran with it. Oh, yeah.
1: He did a goddamn 5K with it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He told Harry that his father abandoned his mother when she told him what she was. Mm hmm. And we are going to touch back on this come book six. Yes, we are. Because we know already that that is not actually what happened. No. He also goes on to say that he abandoned her because he doesn't like magic, which, I mean, considering the fact that we know a love potion was involved, and he completely got hoodwinked into (laughs) being with her to begin with.
1: I mean, I'd be a little salty about magic too, right?
0: (laughs) Sure. Sure. The whole thing is just, oh, you're so wrong, honey. You are just so wrong. Oh, honey. Bless your heart. But I can completely understand why Voldemort has these abandonment issues because no father, mother died while giving birth, raised in a muggle orphanage. Mm -hmm. Like that sucks. Oh, yeah. That legit sucks. I would feel bad for him if he weren't such a dick. Yeah.
1: If maybe he would have taken out his anger in a more healthy, constructive way. Sure, he'd have all the sympathy in the world, but eh, he He decided to kill people, so... Torture things. Yeah. It wasn't good.
0: No. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. We are. He vowed to find the fool who gave him his name. So now he thinks that his father's the one who passed his name on down to him. Right. (laughs) And then he pauses because he says he's growing quite sentimental. Like, you don't know the meaning of the word. (laughs) Right. But sure, you're reliving your family history. Let's pretend that's some sentiment
1: there. Sure. Let's just hide this dictionary over here so you don't actually see what the real definition of sentimental is. But Although I will say he does
0: genuinely get a little sentimental because his next line is, Now my true family returns. Not that I think he considers any of those murder munchers actual family or friends. No. But, eh. It's a sliver of the definition.
1: It's the closest that he's gonna get.
0: Yeah, for sure. And at this point now is when the murder munchers start showing up. Mm-hmm. But it's not with, you know, smoke ponies or whatever you would. want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you would call that. I was, the- I'm like, I have no idea. When I was trying to write that summary of how they shot down in this, I was like, I don't know really how to describe this
1: because. Yeah, it is definitely a very odd entrance to make no they just they just appeared in a swish of cloaks yeah
0: and there were so many more in the book than they actually showed in the movies mm-hmm. because they had them in like every single shadowy space of the graveyard yeah one thing that was the same is they were all hooded and masked mm-hmm. but the apparating it's just a popping and an appearing it's not some crazy dramatic shoot (laughs) down from the sky i don't that's how you know they're evil though i guess (laughs) but they show up they apparate in and then they move towards Voldemort with caution because they're like how the fuck are you here right now yeah i'm i'm positive there's some fear involved in this
1: oh yeah you gotta think
0: they gotta be shitting themselves man they all showed up in their black robes masks and brown pants yes they did One of them drops to his knees and just literally crawls towards Voldemort and starts (laughs) kissing the hem of his robes, which you don't know where that's been, man. Right? (laughs) But he's just murmuring to his master and then the rest of the murder mantras follow suit. So Mm -hmm. I imagine it's just like a whole big slobber fest down on like his robes have got to be wet by the end of this. Ew. That's pretty gross. They all take turns kissing the hem of his robes. And then they stand up and silently form a circle around the grave, Harry, the sobbing Wormtail, because he's still sobbing like a bitch, and Voldemort. Sure. They've left gaps at certain places in the circle, so it's like they have assigned seats. Mm-hmm. But Voldemort doesn't seem to expect any more to show up than who's already there.
1: Yeah. Which now puts things back in line with the movie, though the way this plays out is a A little bit different. Just a bit. Voldemort welcomes them all to Taco Tuesday before realizing that it's actually Saturday. Which is interesting
0: because the students were taking exams earlier that day, so it shouldn't
1: have been a Saturday. You wouldn't think, yeah.
0: But according to the calendar and the timeline accepted as canon for Harry Potter, June the 24th was in fact a Saturday in
1: 1995. It was. Hmm. Look at that. Whoops. Found a mistake. But nevertheless, Voldemort carries on and on about how it's been a hot minute since they all got together, and yet they're all right there as though it was only yesterday. Aw, memories. And other such things. The murder munchers are lulled into a false sense of security at this point, until Voldy comes to the real crux of his feelings. (laughs) See what I did there? I did. (laughs) Not a one of them tried to come and find him. And that really pisses off old Moldy Voldy. Let me tell you. It's similar in the book
0: where Mm -hmm. Voldemort looks around and welcomes his Death Eaters saying it's been 13 years. That's been the hot minute. I think that's the average, right? Sounds about right, yeah. He assumes they're still united under the dark mark but questions this because they all showed up but none of them tried to find him yeah they're all healthy and whole but their power's intact and they show up but he was literally a floating spirit thingy for 13 years yeah like where the fuck were you then guys yeah you swore eternal loyalty to me Mm -hmm. and then the moment eternity was tested poof gone right lame so he's also disappointed
1: yeah In the movie, Voldemort begins calling them out one by one, snatching their creepy-ass little skeleton masks off their faces into more black smoke, because bad guys can never have enough of that stuff, I guess. Apparently, He growls the names Crab, McNair, Goyle, knocking them all to their knees before advancing on a fourth-cloaked figure and commenting that not even he sought him out. Removing the mask from his face and revealing... Lucius Malfoy. The blonde man drops to his knees as well. Because, I mean, what else are you going to do? You hope he's not going to kill you. That's what you do. Exactly. You thank God you wore your brown pants and you move on. But Lucius Malfoy drops to his knees and resolutely states that had he known any info that would help him find his lord, he would have been right there leading the search party. Sure he would have. Right there. I'm telling you, guy. I mean, Voldemort calls bullshit. As he does. As he does, yeah. But Lucius just digs his hole deeper and continues trying to defend himself, even though no one is buying his bowl. I don't think even he's buying his bowl. No, he's just, he's grasping at straws at this point. <laughs> even Harry, who is still struggling to escape his concrete restraint, knows just how full of it Lucius is.
0: Well, that's because Harry's full of it, too.
1: Well, there's that, yes. But the man removes his hood... And stands there insisting that the face that he sees before him is his true mask. It's the one he has to present to society. And he has to look all upstanding and noble and shit. But really deep down, he's still cool with his
0: homie Voldemort. Which this is similar to the book, but we are now getting into the realms of everything being out of order, so. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. So Wormtail, being the brown noser that he is, steps forward and points out that he returned to his master's side. Voldemort points out that he sees through that shit, too, and knows that Wormtail only came back out of fear and it had fuck all to do with loyalty. He's not wrong. No. Harry watches in disgust as Voldemort pets Wormtail and begrudgingly acknowledges that he did prove useful, You know, what, with the hand and whatnot. Literally kept
0: him alive, Mm -hmm. traveled with him, was the reason they were able to formulate a plan to begin with, and gave his right hand to help him.
1: Yeah. I would say useful, yeah. Yeah. Plus, you gotta think, I mean, little Voldy Muppet probably couldn't, like, go to the bathroom and stuff on his own, so he had to wipe his butt and everything probably, too. I didn't need to think about that, actually. Well, now you are. Mm. You're welcome. So yeah, useful, useful, a little bit, sure. So Voldemort points and waves his wand at Wormtail's stub, and suddenly a new shiny silver hand grows forth from it.
0: Yay, new hand. Yay, except this all happens quite differently in the book. What? So we were having that conversation about how they swore their eternal loyalty, and nobody came to find him, Mm -hmm. and they're all just standing there like, I'm not going to be the one who speaks up. (laughs) <laughs> nope not me so nobody's making a noise except yeah. Wormtail but it's not to Brownnose cause he's still too busy laying on the ground sobbing to Brownnose yeah so it's just Voldemort answering his own question this whole scene is like Voldemort's monologue it's his bad guy monologue yeah, yeah for sure and he's just like nobody came to help me because they must have believed he was gone for good mm-hmm. which is silly because you all know that I took steps ages ago to guard myself against mortal death. Like, I can't die. You know this. You know this is something I'm trying to conquer. How could you possibly believe that I'd be gone? Oh, I know. It's probably because you thought there was somebody with a greater power, like Albus Dumbledore, who could have gotten rid of me. And at this point, some of the murder munchers are like, I don't know about that man Mm -hmm. and we don't like Albus Dumbledore they're like we're not dumb we we don't like him we like you we don't like him
1: (laughs) (laughs) a whole bunch of
0: mumbling (laughs) but Moldy Voldy's just like I confess myself disappointed and he doesn't care what they're saying he's just like nope disappointed Mm -hmm. and at this one man flings himself at Voldemort's feet And he's
1: just bleeding. forgive me, forgive us all. Dear God, have some dignity, man. He doesn't. There's none there.
0: Not even a little bit. Mm -mm. And Voldemort just crucios him. I mean, can you blame him? He's a dick. I can blame him for that. (laughs) Yeah. But the murder muncher just starts writhing on the ground and he's just shrieking in pain. And Harry's just like, please let somebody hear this and send the police. (laughs) I know they're all going to die, but it might give me a chance to get away. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's actually what he was thinking, but it's kind of what he was thinking.
1: I'm sure he wouldn't have complained at being the only survivor.
0: (laughs) As long as he survived. I think he'd actually feel bad about it. But anyway, no police show up. Voldemort actually stops doing Crucio and therefore the screaming stops. So all that's left is for Voldemort to be like, Get up, Avery.
1: Which was our trivia question. It's true.
0: Avery was the dignityless one. Voldy <laughs> 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 says that he does not forgive or forget. He wants 13 years of repayment before he'll forgive, which I don't know if he means. 13 actual years or equivalent to. Yeah. And it kind of makes me wonder how many years cutting off your hand
1: is. Right. Or if he just means the time that Wormtail has taken care of him. Maybe. Because he does say he's already paid some of his debt. Mm hmm.
0: And Wormtail continues to be a bitch on the ground, still so sure. just
1: sobbing. The man is missing a hand.
0: I don't blame him at all. My reaction to this is more based in the fact that movie Wormtail did not do that at all no like not even remotely it's so vastly different yeah but he's sobbing on the ground in the book and Voldemort says the line about returning out of fear and not loyalty Mm -hmm. tells him that he deserves this pain but also points out that he did help him return to his body so he deserves a reward Mm -hmm. and i love that that's all he gives him you helped me return to my body Let's just forget every other part of it leading up to that. That's all that matters to
1: him. He's back. He's back and he's ready to rock, man.
0: And the end result here is what happened in the movie, but it happened a little differently because instead of making the silver hands like grow out of Wormtail's bloody stump, Mm -hmm. he waves his wand in the air and this molten silver appears and then magically forms itself into a hand midair. And then just sort of like floats down and attaches itself to Warmtail's wrist. Who finally stops crying. Aw,
1: it's about goddamn time. right? Have some dignity, man. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> so,
0: no longer crying, finally. Mm-hmm. He flexes the fingers, just immediately takes to this new hand of his. Which has got to be awesome. Because not only did he gain a new hand, he finally got a fifth finger back. right. Which is why I thought it was intelligent of him to cut off the hand that was
1: missing one. It it does make a lot of sense.
0: And this hand apparently has some power because he picks up a twig and crushes it into powder.
1: So he got the upgrade. He got an upgrade. Like not just an extra finger. Like he got the full upgrade. Yeah. Probably worth it in the end. Well, maybe not the end. But at this moment, (laughs) it's worth it. It was worth all the whining and crying like a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And then
0: now it's at this point in the book that Voldemort starts calling out the other murder munchers. But he does it in a lot more detail than they had it in the movie. Because like in the movie, he just said names and Mm -hmm. removed masks. And he had a conversation with Lucius last. Mm -hmm. But in the book, he actually starts with Lucius. And then all of his outcalling is... Far more detailed. Yeah. But like I said, starts with Lucius. He says that he's been told that he hasn't renounced the old ways, but he presents a respectable face to the world.
1: Which is pretty similar to how he says it in the movie. Yeah. But then he wants to
0: know if Nazi Von the First is ready to take the lead spot in muggle torture.
1: I love that that's like a job you can have with Voldemort. Do you think they made him a business card? <laughs> <laughs> Lucius Malfoy, muggle torturer at your service.
0: Hmm. But he's basically continuing his monologue and never actually waits for Lucius to respond, just goes on to be like, but I wonder why you never tried to find me. <laughs> but he also calls him out on how his exploits at the Quidditch World Cup were fun, but couldn't his energy have been better spent looking for his master? You would think. Hint, hint. Mm. You done fucked up, Nazi von douchebag. You done fucked up. <laughs> And then, similarly to how the movie had it, Malfoy insists that he was constantly on the alert. And if there had been any sign or whisper, he would have been at his side immediately. Sure, you would. Right? hmm. Voldemort's not buying this shit either. And it's just like, yeah, you say that, but you ran from the dark mark when a faithful Death Eater of mine sent it into the sky last summer. So, what you got to say about that? I, uh, wha, um. And you know what? It's not even that. Nazi Von Douchebag the First just stops talking. That's probably the smartest thing he could have done. And Voldemort's like, oh yeah, I know
1: all about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm disappointed in you.
1: Dad's mad. For someone who grew up without a mother, he really got the mom guilt down. Oh yeah. Didn't he? (laughs) But he says that he expects more faithful
0: service in the future and... Malfoy's like oh uh, yeah I promise I will absolutely totally gonna do that uh-huh definitely so Voldemort continues his calling people out like I said this happens in much more detail than in the movie and they have this whole big circle that you can actually see it's described in the book where the gaps are and whatnot mm-hmm. and he gets to the first gap which is big enough for two people and says that the Lestranges should stand here But they're in Azkaban, where they chose to go rather than trying to renounce me. So they are going to get broken out of prison and rewarded beyond belief because they were loyal and not shitbags like all of you. In paraphrasing. Yeah, I gotcha. He also says that the Dementors will then join them. And they're going to recall the banished giants. So not only is he going to have all of his devoted servants... He's going to have an army of creatures, of all of the creatures
1: that people don't like. Well, that just sounds like a party to me. That's why you're Slytherin. I was sarcastic. Come on, Ellen. That's why you're Slytherin. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, that one's true. Yeah. But he continues
0: around the circle. He just passes some Death Eaters and doesn't say anything to them. But he does stop to talk to McNair, Crabbe, and Goyle, Mm -hmm. like was mentioned in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. He also talks to not, but they all basically get the same message, just him expecting better of them. Mm-hmm. And then when he reaches the largest gap in the whole circle, he says there are six missing murder mungers, three that are dead in his service, which we learned about in the pensive, mm-hmm. at least a couple of them. One that's too cowardly to return, who I think we can make an educated guess who that is at this point.
1: Pretty sure we <coughs> <can>. <coughs> Karkaroff. <coughs> Karkaroff. <coughs> one
0: that he believes has left him forever. Sleep. <coughs> you okay? Do you need tissue? I'm good. Oh, okay. Just checking. And one who remains his most faithful servant, already in place at Hogwarts. Huh. Now, if you're reading the book, at this moment you would say, Shit, there's a murder muncher at Hogwarts? Right?
1: But if you're watching the movie... You know exactly who the hell he's talking about. Yeah. 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 Which sucks because it really takes away. I know. From that moment. Because actually when I first read the book, I thought it was Snape was the loyal one. Oh, yeah. You know? And I so, mean, that's what you were supposed to think. Yeah. And so it's me going, okay, well, who's the one who's left forever? Because I thought I had it all figured out. Yeah. And you didn't. And I did not.
0: Unless you're watching the movie, in which case it just spoon feeds you. Yep. But Voldemort then tells them that this man, his faithful servant, is the one who ensured Harry's arrival there tonight. And now everybody's like, attention on Harry. Mm -hmm. Hello, Harry Potter. Hey, look, it's Harry Potter. The guest of honor. (laughs) The guest of honor at Voldemort's rebirthing party. And everyone's silent for a moment. And then Nazi Von Douchebag's just like, so... How'd you do this?
1: (laughs) Just out of curiosity. Just wondering. (laughs) Nobody asked this question in the movie, though. Now, granted, we just watched how he was able to return, so we don't really need the recap there. But there are a lot of other details included in this part of the book, and maybe some of them would have been nice to have in the movie. Maybe some? Just like one or two. Yeah, there's a lot of
0: backstory to it that Voldemort gets into. Mm Mm-hmm. He explains that it's a story that begins and ends with Harry Potter. The boy has been called his downfall. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's just like, but actually, he had nothing to do with why I couldn't kill him. It was 100% his mother. Yeah. She died to protect him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that invoked an ancient magic that I was stupid and didn't think about. Yeah. So my curse just rebounded off of him and ended up knocking me silly instead. Had nothing to do with him. He was just sitting there shitting his drawers, you know? Right? And if Harry's mother hadn't died in an attempt to save him, none of that would have happened. Like, Harry has no special power here. Yeah. And we did kind of know this information.
1: Yeah, we learned it in previous. Yeah,
0: it's basically been explained. So I can see why this wouldn't have needed to be recapped. Yeah. It is nice to know that Voldemort understands that. I don't like how they said it in the movie when he was like, it was love. Love. <laughs> because he doesn't understand love. He just knows that it's an ancient magic, the way they were saying it in the book.
1: I feel like that's why he says it the way he says it, where he's just like... Maybe. Don't it don't was know. love. It was love. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so Harry's mother died to save him, and as a result, Voldemort couldn't touch the boy. Mm Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have overlooked that old magic, but it doesn't matter anymore because he can touch him now. Uh Uh-oh. And just to make this statement a little bit more dramatic, Voldemort uses this opportunity to take a finger and just press it right into Harry's scar. Which... Once again, fills his head with pain. Mm -hmm. Harry thinks his scar is going to burst open. Yep. Sounds awful. It really does.
1: And it basically happens in the movie, too. So,
2: yay, Yay. things lining up.
1: (laughs) But it's pretty much the last thing that happens in this scene. And it has a few extra details that don't really line up with the book. I know you're shocked. Just calm down. (laughs) So you just... Finish going through this and we'll get to the last parts of the movie section.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare despite the parallels. Mm-hmm. But Voldemort gives his creepy soft laugh, removes his finger and continues telling the murder munchers the story of how his curse rebounded on him, ripped him from his body, leaving him less than a spirit. But he is still alive. That's the important thing to Be- him. He Right. He had that goal to conquer death. And he experimented down the path of immortality and something worked. Mm -hmm. Apparently not that well, but he didn't die.
1: Yeah, which was all he was going for. He needed to be more specific next time.
0: Yeah, and this is some of the information that I would have liked to have a little bit more of. Mm -hmm. He talks about how he had to force himself to exist second by second. How do you do that? It sounds awful. Yeah. It talks about how he settled far away in a forest, waiting in vain for a faithful murder muncher to come find him. Mm-hmm. He was still able to possess others. And we did kind of know that. Yeah. But he did talk about how he often just ended up possessing animals, even though it would shorten their life and they never lasted very long.
1: But it got him through. Yeah. I mean.
0: And I think having a little bit of that story of... What he went through to get to this would have been nice. Yeah. Oh, definitely. He also then gives us another little recap on something that we know of about four years ago when a young foolish wizard just happened to cross his path in the forest and gave him his first chance to come back that didn't work out. (laughs) Not too well. Not too well at all that didn't work out, but it was a chance. Mm -hmm. The man was a teacher at Hogwarts. So who could that have been? Hmm. Although I do think it's really interesting that Voldemort never actually calls him by name. He was just a teacher for Dumbledore.
1: Yeah. Well, he didn't care.
0: I know. I just think it's interesting to do it that way. I like that. We obviously know he's talking about Quirrell. Yeah. But the fact that he was just like, eh, teacher at Hogwarts. What the fuck ever.
1: Yeah, he was just a guy. He was a guy.
0: And he... Returned to the countryside with him and then eventually had to possess him. So that's how we know this story. We read this story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We started on this story. Yes. Again, I get why you don't have to recap this. Yeah. Especially we already know that Harry Potter is the one who thwarted this plan. We already know that Quirrell died after Voldemort abandoned his body Mm -hmm. and had to return to his hiding place. What we don't know is that this put him in his darkest hour where he lost all hope that any of his murder munchers were going to come find him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And goddamn, I love that little, like, guilt right there. Yeah. Like, leaving me in my darkest hour with no hope that any of you cared enough to find me. And they're all like, oh, God, that's yeah, That's exactly what we did. And yeah. they just sort of shift <laughs> uncomfortably.
1: I'm kind of like, oh, I wish I could say I didn't do that, but I totally did that. Mm. Voldemort continues his
0: story and explains that not even a year ago, Wormtail returns to him. Again, we get some more backstory. He faked his death to escape justice, but was driven out of hiding by his old friends and needed to run. Mm -hmm. Information we knew, not the end of the world. Yeah. But when he decided to return to his master... And headed to the country where he'd been rumored to be hiding, helped by the rats that he met along the way, who told him of a place deep in the Albanian forest where small animals met their deaths. This I is mean, new to us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had done this know. before. Yeah. And then we find out what the fuck happened to Bertha Jorgens.
1: Well, who wasn't even included in the movie at I all? I know. <laughs>
0: but it's just incredible how woven together this is because Wormtail is an idiot and -hmm. thinks he's far enough away where nobody's going to recognize him so he stops at an inn for food and runs into nosy ass Bertha Jorkins who's like what the fuck you're supposed to be dead and he's just like why don't you take a walk with me and I'll tell you why I'm not and she's like okay and then he overpowers her and takes her to Voldemort
1: so I just feel like that's on her (laughs) curiosity killed the cat curiosity killed the Bertha Jorkins (laughs) yes that's the fact But what really is interesting here
0: is she's the one who knew all about the Quad Wizard Tournament. Granted, it was still the Triwizard Tournament at that point. Yes. And she also knew about a faithful Death Eater who would have been more than willing to help Voldemort.
3: Hmm.
0: This is new information to us. Yeah. Because up until this point, we had no idea how Voldemort would know any of this.
1: Yeah. And it's so interesting. I really wish it was in the movie. Well, if the movie hadn't spoon fed us so much other
0: crap. Right. We also learned that in order to access all of this information, he had to break a memory charm that had been placed on her. But we aren't yet told why there was a memory charm on her. Mm -hmm. So there's another little interesting factoid. Yes, that'll come into play later. And we learned that breaking the memory charm damaged her beyond repair. So he couldn't even possess her, which made her pretty useless. And he just disposed of her. Sure. He also couldn't possess Wormtail because supposed to be dead. Not very convenient. hmm But Wormtail was able-bodied enough to muster his way through Voldy's instructions and <laughs> get him somewhat of a body back. hmm Turn him into Voldy Muppet. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, something at least, I guess. And then help him gather the ingredients for his true rebirth. Again, we're getting into recap stuff because we just literally watched this happen or read this happen. Yeah. Of the three powerful ingredients they needed, I love. He even specifically says one of them was that hand, right? Wormtail. (laughs) (laughs) What a dick.
1: See now you know how I feel about
0: puns. (laughs) No, I just a dick to like rub it in his face. You had to cut off your hand for me too. That's what I mean by what a dick. But oh yeah, yeah. But but it's
1: also a pun, and
0: I love it. (laughs) (laughs) but the first one was flesh given by a servant i mean he could have cut off his toe it didn't need to be his hand he could have just gone with another finger no his whole fucking hand i mean maybe it had to be a certain amount maybe the second ingredient was his father's bone so they had to return to where he was buried
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and then the third and final ingredient was the blood of a foe and wormtail was all about just using any wizard that hated Voldemort. I mean, I'm sure you could find those anywhere. It would have worked, but Voldy insisted on using Harry Potter because that would make him stronger than he was, more powerful than he was when he had fallen.
1: Which, I mean, as far as evil plans go, that's solid.
0: It is, except he was also wrong, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) So this presented a new challenge, which was how to get Harry out from under his protection. Because he has the lingering protection from his mother's charm that Dumbledore took advantage of when he placed him with relatives. And then when he goes to school, he's just right there with Dumbledore the whole time and who the fuck's getting to him then? Yeah. It takes this giant-ass elaborate plan involving a quad wizard tournament, a faithful Death Eater stationed at Hogwarts, and turning the quad wizard cup into a portkey. No big deal. I mean, simple. We can just gloss over how all of that happened. Totally easy. And of course, as you can see, it all worked. Mm Mm-hmm. Because...
1: Here we are in the graveyard. Plan has gone according to... to... to plan, really.
0: (laughs) Everything has gone according to plan?
1: Yeah, that one. Okay.
0: Yeah. So now that Voldemort's pretty much got everybody caught up on the story, it's time to start paying attention to Harry, which Harry has not wanted. No. And he turns towards him, draws his wand, and uh, since Crucio is just his spell tonight, he casts it on Harry. Sure. And... We get a good description of how it's pain beyond anything Harry has ever experienced. And he just literally wants to black out or even to die. Yeah. And that just kind of makes me think about what the Long Bottoms must have gone through. When you think about oh,
1: the fact that they were cruciated into insanity. Yeah. 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 Mm.
0: But, you know, not wanting to end the party early, Voldemort stops and the pain recedes and Harry's just limply hanging from his binding ropes and the death eaters are all laughing like they do and Voldemort says that it was foolish for anyone to suppose that the boy could ever be stronger than him like this is ridiculous and I'm gonna prove it to you once and for all I know you should know by now that it's not the case but I still feel the need to just I don't know show you that my wand is bigger than his really ram it home right you're not gonna mistake this Harry Potter escaped by lucky chance And I'm going to prove that by killing him in front of all of you. There's no Dumbledore here to help him. There's no mother of his to die for him. It's just going to be me and Harry. We're going to duel. And then you're going to know without any doubt who's stronger. There's no way that could go wrong. Oh, just wait. (laughs) Give it a week. (laughs) He tells Nagini, who we know has been hanging out this whole time because she was promised to get to eat Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. He tells her to wait just a little longer, and then orders Wormtail to untie Harry and give him back his wand.
1: And pretty much none of that was included in the movie. It's just Wormtail holding his new hand up in the air as it solidifies and thanking his master, as Harry keeps struggling and Voldemort steps over Cedric's body, tisking as he manfoots the boy's face. Book
0: Voldemort never even interacts with Dedric at all. Yeah... He's just a non-entity. He does not care. He's literally the despair. Yeah, but
1: I feel like in the movie he knows it'll piss Harry off. But yeah, I'll give you that. Because the next thing Harry does is he yells for Voldemort not to touch him. And it finally draws the Dark Wizard's attention to him because he had conveniently forgotten he was there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little weird, actually. I thought it was just him being sarcastic.
0: Which I thought was a little weird, actually.
1: (laughs) But I'm not going to lie. That would have been funny as fuck. Like, seriously, like if Voldy would have legitimately forgotten about him and all of his Death Eaters take the fuck off and just leave Harry stuck to this fucking statue. (laughs)
0: It would be better than the alternative.
1: Right? Like, he'd just be hanging there going, uh, a little help, please? Like, this boy has gotten past dragons, grindelos, gropy ficuses, but what takes him down? Being forgotten in a cemetery. Oh, the irony. It's just, <laughs> it's too perfect. Yeah, that would be really funny. Right? But yeah, so Voldemort just says he'd introduce him, but word has it, he's almost as famous as him these days, which just goes to show that he's just as much of a sassy little bitch as he's always been. Because that is some major shade right there. It almost makes me
0: wish that Hagrid could just pop up at that moment and tell Voldemort that Harry's more famous than him,
1: (laughs) like he did with Lockhart. Right. Exactly. So turning back to the mob of murder munchers, Voldemort refers to Harry as the boy who lived before turning back to Harry and asking if he would like to hear the monologue that he'd been practicing since he turned into a Muppet. The monologue that will definitely be the clip they use for his Oscar nomination. The monologue that all bad guys must do. So say, the rules of bad guys. Though a monologue severely watered down from the book monologue. Oh, definitely. It's not even the same (laughs) monologue, for fuck's sake. But yeah, it's still, it's bad guy monologue. And without waiting for any kind of response, because... Why would he? He doesn't in the book. Exactly. He simply takes us on a small trip to the Department of Backstory, just a little one, giving us just a sliver of the information included in the book. Mostly telling us, and Harry, shit that we already knew, but sometimes you just have to let your crazy racist uncle rant for a little bit before you just walk away and refill your glass of bourbon. Yep. You know, Lily gave her life that protected the shit out of Harry, yada yada. It's... I mean, you just got to let him go on with it. And
0: similar to the book. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like the very tip of the iceberg. Yes. (laughs) Not the whole part out of water. Just like the very top of the whole part out of water.
1: Yeah, just the itty bit. Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. tip. But here comes the kicker, right? Because then Voldy tells Harry that now things are different as he glides right up to Harry and pauses in front of him with his hand raised above his head because boy's a drama queen. Oh my god. He's such a drama queen. He flounces more than Snape, let's be honest. Well,
0: I mean, Snape was clearly emulating him when he started flouncing. Obviously.
1: (laughs) But he says, I can touch you now! And dramatically presses his finger into Harry's scar. Like, seriously, this boy needs a CPS caseworker or something. Because there are way too many people touching him. On the plus side, at least it lined back up with the book. Well... I mean, there
0: is that, sure, where he also needs a CPS case worker, yes, definitely.
1: Harry screams like a motherfucker as Voldemort holds his finger in place and laughs weirdly, sticking out his forked tongue while he looks straight up like fucking Bat boy. Like do you remember the Enquirer pictures of Bat boy? Uh-huh that's exactly what Voldemort looked like, and it always bothered me.
0: Yeah, it was weird to me that they decided to give him a forked tongue
1: rather than red eyes. mm-hmm. I liked the forked tongue. I'm okay with it, but red eyes, though. I would have preferred red eyes and a forked tongue. I'd have taken that, because it's very snake-like. But at Mm. least the red eyes, for God's sake. Come on, red eyes. (sighs) He comments on how it's astonishing what a few drops of Harry's blood will do, and then releases him from the statue's grip. Harry falls to the ground as Voldemort orders him to pick up his wand, and this is the end of the movie section.
0: So similar-ish at the end, mm-hmm. the main difference is how Harry is expected to retrieve his wand. Yep. Because in the book, Voldemort tells Wormtail to give him his wand back.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously in the movie, he just lets him go and tells him to pick up his own go damn wand. Go get your own damn wand. Yeah. <laughs> get your shit, boy. But this will bring us to the new and returning actor section. And this time, we are actually talking about a new actor. As we mentioned last week, we have Ray Fiennes as Lord Voldemort, aka Tom Riddle. AKA Indeed. I love Ray Fiennes and I love him as Voldemort. He's just so flouncy. He just feels so extra. He is very extra. And
0: honestly, I didn't like him that much in this scene.
1: Yeah. There are other scenes where he does shine.
0: There are other scenes where he is wonderful, but like his debut, I didn't like it that much.
1: You're trying to be so nice. I um, (laughs) am.
0: I really do like Ray Fiennes. I really think he's very talented. I think on the whole, he did a great job at Voldemort. I think it especially shines in the fifth movie. Yeah. And a little bit more even Mm
1: -hmm. in the sixth.
0: I think he killed it in the seventh. Yes. But his debut moment right here, and it's also possibly me just partially being very biased because it wasn't what I expected to see from the books. Yeah. I really was hurt by the lack of red
1: eyes. I mean, but that's not his issue. That is not his issue. Not something that he had control over. And I am willing to admit that...
0: That could color my perspective. Mm -hmm. He also is not the one who wrote the lines. Yeah. But it bothered me that he pretended like he didn't remember Harry was there. It bothered me that he interacted with Cedric. But the way that he did it was good. Yeah. I just didn't like this scene, I think it was.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of elements that went into this scene that could have been a lot better. That's for sure. If he would have had red eyes, if he would have not man-footed Cedric's face. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, I kind of saw the... Oh, Harry, I almost forgot you were there. I always saw that as kind of, like, him almost being... That felt like a Lucius Malfoy line. Yeah. You know what I mean? It felt like a... Oh, you're still here, are you? Like, it... it, It's almost a Vernon Dursley line Yeah, exactly. But it didn't fit for me
0: for Voldemort's character. Yeah. Because he's... 100 percent obsessed with harry yeah he's not capable of playing it cool if he were he wouldn't
1: have killed himself like <laughs> <laughs> like dude has no chill yeah and he was a little too chill in this he was a little psychotic when he was touching harry's scar though you gotta admit that was
0: i think the parts that mirrored the book the most are the ones that i felt like he did the best job in
1: but that has more to do with the writing i probably feel like, and
0: I think that he makes really interesting choices as an actor. Mm-hmm. I think that it does fit in with a psychopath. Yeah. A narcissist.
1: And like yeah. we said, you know, he gets better. Yeah. You know what I mean? This may have just not been the right way to introduce you him. You know whose fault I think it is?
0: <laughs> I am looking forward to talking about him more. Yes. In future episodes. Definitely. Let's go on. To our Potter pondering, which is, what are your thoughts on all of the backstory that the movie left out of this section, particularly about what Voldy was up to during his power outage?
1: And just for a little bit of fun, what were your first impressions of Voldemort physically? Like, Did he really nail it for you, or did he leave something wanting? Find the post on our Facebook page and share
0: your thoughts, or... Call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name
1: and then go into your answer. We really look forward to reading and hearing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Michaela Palmer. She writes, I am a Slytherin. I don't remember my wand or Patronus, but I was 18 and a freshman in college when I got into Harry Potter. Someone mentioned that it was going to be a movie, and it would be in theaters that November. I didn't even know what Harry Potter was. The only reason I recognized the name was because of all the Harry Potter merch I saw on Clearance at Claire's not too long prior. Fast forward to November 2001. I went to go see Harry Potter as a joke. The joke was on me because I was hooked. Nearly 20 years later, I'm 38 now, and I'm still obsessed.
0: Ooh, 38. Good age. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Michaela.
1: Yes, thank you. And if any of you other Keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can
0: message it to us over social media, or hey, call it
1: in if you want.
0: Mm -hmm. This week's trivia question is... What does Harry hear coming from the thread of the light-spun web vibrating around him in Voldemort? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag hope
1: will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget
0: to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just JustKeepRolling. Following us on Podbean at JustKeepRolling.Podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question.
1: Make sure to check out our website at JustKeepRolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more
0: content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 34, Priori in Incantatum, and the corresponding film scenes.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again.
0: I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep, keep rolling.
3: rolling.